that I noticed when I started on this journey, um, the journey of the of being in the kingdom, is that when I was around a bunch of religious people before I was in the kingdom, you know, before I got born again, before I got baptized in fire, by the way, if you haven't been baptized with fire, talk to me, because that's where the real fun happens. That's where you don't care what anybody else thinks, which is pretty much the way Jesus was. Um, Not pretty much. I mean, it was the way Jesus was. But um, so before I was saved, what I noticed is I had a lot of friends and they all went to church. But it seemed like there was a shallowness to our relationship. You know, there was not, there was never that deep calling to deep where you, you knew that you could trust that person, where you knew that you could really share the deep things of your heart with them, that you could just get real. And so I felt like I was living in a land of, of church life, a land of religion, you know, where everybody was pretending to be good. You know what I'm talking about, right? And and so I had all of these friendships. Well, actually, let me back up. I really didn't have a whole lot of friendships. I had a couple of people that I called friends. There were a couple of other uh, girlfriends that I knew that were, you know, I mean, they were always totally inappropriate, you know, with men. And, you know, we get in situations and you're like, whoa, woman you're a believer, supposedly, you know, and so um, I'm just talking from my heart today, because when I met Jesus for real, not just going through the exercises of being the frozen chosen, but when I met Jesus for real, and when he broke in on me for real, um, and I got baptized with fire, what happened is that it started to burn away a mask, that I had been wearing. And as that mask began to, to burn away, um, I began to discover uh, the real me. And um, when I began to discover the real me, I began to see the real you. And what I've noticed today, after uh, many, many years of the process and the sanctification of my heart, is that um, I have more friends today than I've ever had. I am so rich in friendships. And it's and and they're not surface friendships, but they're deep friendships. And and I noticed that um not only has my circle of friends exploded and really um allowing myself to fully love people um and 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 desiring to fully love people, but I noticed that even as I preach the gospel I'm seeing people for who they really are. I'm seeing people through the lens of love and not through the lens of religion. And so when they, so because people can tell what's authentic and what's not authentic. Because they're looking for the real thing. And the real thing is love. Right? That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Which which basically means you're a poser. You're pretending to be something that you're not. You're not love. You're just a bunch of exercises. You've just gotten caught up in a bunch of tradition, and you think these things are making you like me, but they're not. Um, so let me read John 15. Verse 
So he starts off and he tells us about the vine and just what it is to abide in him. And that when we abide in him, we actually produce fruit that is like him. And the fruit of the, of, the, of the vine of God is the fruit of love. It's the fruit of love. You can sum it all up. If you look in Galatians and you look at the fruit of the Spirit, all of that can be summed up as love. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, all of what's in 1 Corinthians 13, which you guys may know, it's like the wedding. It's what they always read at the weddings. You can sum that up. In, in one word, which is love. And, and all, of, all of 1 Corinthians 13 is also the fruit of the Spirit. Love, kindness, gentleness. And so um, what I've noticed is that the more you grow in love, um, the less need you have to try to, to be someone else, but the less need you have to try to get to where you're going in God. Have you ever noticed that someone whose heart has not been um, surrendered in love and they haven't been transformed by love, that you notice that they're always trying to get somewhere? And it's the getting somewhere that's so much more important to them and they place so much more value in the destination than they do the journey. But someone whose heart has been arrested in love and they've allowed themselves to abide in love, therefore they begin to produce love, they're not so set on where they're going but who they are. And when you begin to get set in that place of who you are, then the destination will find you. Because the word says that our gifts make a way for us not we make a way for our gifts. And so as we begin to um, be established in Christ, and that becomes our one thing desire, as David said, the one thing that I desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. He knew about being connected to the vine and what that would mean for his life. David was prospered because he understood this truth. Okay, so he goes down, um, verse 7, we'll start there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I mean, that's just about as good as it gets right there. Because truly, if your motivation is love, if the things that you give away are love, if the things that you abide in is love, then you can ask anything and he knows that it's from a pure heart. Because he looks at you and he sees himself. He's like, oh. Look, look, I see love. Look, it's that heart that's golden. It's golden. Those with a pure heart shall what? See God. What happens when you see God? You look like God. That's why his eyes are like a flame of fire. You know, when he, when he was on the earth, he just, you know, his eyes looked like mine and yours. But, when, but, but the minute that he left and he went and ascended to the right hand of the Father, he became the truth of who he truly was the whole time. You know, his eyes are like a flame of fire. So John the Beloved, who when he was with Jesus, when he walked on the earth, was laying his head on his breast, coming near to him in love. But when John the Beloved saw him in his transfigured, transformed body, what happened? He was a fearsome sight. 
And John falls to his knees. But those eyes that are like a flame of fire look at us, and it's a violent love. And what it does is it burns away everything that doesn't look like him. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As you bear fruit of love, the fruit of love, and I loved what um, Jason said um, this past uh, week when we were in the conference. He said, you know, when you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Orange juice. When you squeeze an orange, do you get apple juice? No. So when you squeeze a Christian, when a a Christian gets into a pressure-filled situation, what should we get? Love. We should get Christ. So he's saying, listen, if you produce this, if you get squeezed by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. He's like, look, this is the fruit that when you get squeezed, you, they better see me. They better see love and they better not see fear and anger and hatefulness and rage and bitterness and offense and, and everything that the world is communicating. So the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So what commandments? Is he talking about the ten? Is he talking about the list of do's and don'ts? No, he says right here, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear the fruit of love and that your fruit should remain. Guys, the only fruit that remains is the fruit of love. When you do something through any other motivation, if it is a selfish motivation, even when you attach his name to it, he's like, "Uh uh-uh. You will not have that on the other side. And what you've just done will not reproduce itself in the earth. Love is the only thing that reproduces itself in the earth. Hearts of love. Love never fails. Love never fails. That whatever I ask the Father... Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you these things I command you, that you love one another. And so um, what I've noticed about my journey is just the expansion of my, um, of my heart in love. And I, and, and I know that the ways of God are not our ways. You know, I always think the way to, to get rid of a spirit of poverty is, Lord, give me millions of dollars. They don't want to have a spirit of poverty, right? I mean, right? We all want to sign up for that program. And the way that God multiplies us in love is that the enemy will come in and give us an opportunity to hate. 
Because it's not loving those who love you, but it's loving those who are hating you and despising you. And that's when your heart will actually grow in love. You are coming in the opposite spirit and your heart, what it's doing is, is unfortunately it's painful, but extending a tent peg, I don't know if any of you have tried stretching leather, but you extend a tent peg and you're like, okay, pull it, pull it, pull it and get it in the ground, right? So there's a stretching that's involved in a heart that's expanding, and so, it, so a test will come. And so when a test comes and people are despising you and you're, you're in this, this vortex of pressure where you're like, oh, I'm manifesting. <laughs> you know that what God is doing is he's growing you in love. That's why he said, listen, when, the, when, it, when the, the persecutions come, when they despise you and call you names, you need to praise me for this because this is actually for your good. I'm not going to let these people destroy you. I'm actually going to multiply you, and you're going to explode in love through all of those things. See, offenses are going to run rampant in this hour. It's amazing to me the things that I'm seeing in the world. You know, I've lived on the earth a long time. And I almost think I was kind of born in a um, Aussie Harriet kind of day where it was just a very simple life. But now I'm looking around me and I'm thinking to myself, I can't even believe the things that I'm hearing, even out of people who are presidential um, contenders, you know. It's just like it so hurts and grieves my heart. Some of the words they're using, some of the language they're using, and these are the people that are going to govern us, you know? And, I, 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 and I'm like, God, there's got to be a better way, you know? And, and, um, and I love prophetically um, what he has told us, which is there's about to be an outbreak. There's about to be a revival of love. And it's going to come out of this city. And so a lot of what you're going to hear me preaching about this year is going to be focusing on love. And it's going to be focusing on how to grow up in love, and be love, um, because a revival has actually already started in all of us. You know, we just need to let that revival come to its fullness, because if the people that are just in this room right now, if we would surrender all and let Christ in us, the hope of glory, have his way and become who he is in us, and we become who we are in him, there would be no stopping us, and we'd take this city in, uh, in the next year. Just with the people in this room. Come on. <clears throat> so, offenses. The, the whole purpose is offenses. And the word says very clearly in Matthew, Jesus said, listen, in the last days, offenses are going to run rampant. Your hearts are going to be so uh, tested with being offended at people. And those offenses have a purpose. They are arrows that are shot at your heart to lessen your love. Because Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back, and there's going to be a celebration. And that celebration is a party, but it's not just a party. It's actually a wedding. 
And he's coming back for a bride that is the perfect reflection of the bridegroom. And so he speaks of it in terms of love and romance. But if we've allowed offenses to steal or atrophy parts of our heart, then what happens is that we can't fully love him. We can't fully become like him. And we certainly can't love ourselves and love our neighbors. Right? So uh, I, I wanted to share with you, there was an opportunity. And listen, when the enemy comes in to strike you, he's not going to strike you with a stranger. When the enemy comes in, he's going to strike you with a Judas kiss. It is going to be someone who is close to you, someone who you trust, someone who, is, who is you're in covenant with someone that you love, someone you've walked with. And that betrayal is the enemy's way of trying to take part of your heart and strike it like a heart attack, like your heart is attacked. And what happens in a heart attack is that that part where the attack happened, it atrophies your heart, which means no blood will flow in that spot ever again. So it weakens the whole heart, and part of the heart is black, and part of the heart is dead. And so the enemy, his motivation is if he can get you to take this bait and not fight for love and fight that your heart would come back alive in love, then he's won. And so when we went through this, when I went through this, and someone who was very, very close to me betrayed me in the most horrific way, and I mean, we've all been there. I mean, we've all got jackets, right? We're part of the club, the betrayers club, where we've all got our stories. We all have our people who have done these things to us. But the, but the question is not what they've done, but how are we going to respond to that? Because we have to value and uh, the, the, we have to value love. And we really have to say, are we more invested that Jesus gets the reward of his suffering in our lives and in our hearts, or are we going to have a pity party? And we're going to sit around and just feel sorry for ourselves and allow that thing to corrode our hearts so that we can't fully be alive in love. So when I was going through this process, I cried out to, the, to God because it is a physical pain that you feel in betrayal. I mean, it happens. It hits your mind. It hits your physical body. It hits your heart. And you feel like you're going to die. And you, and you can feel, I could feel myself being distanced. I could feel the walls coming up around my heart. Because when I would then talk to people, I felt like I wasn't close to them, like they were far away. And when they would talk to me, nothing of what they said would come near me. And I thought, I don't want to live that way. And so after a couple of weeks of that, I was crying out to God and I said, God, you have to help me. You know, I need, I need a solution. I need, you know, because I was in the word and I was reading the word and he, and he was so precious. God is such a good leader and he's such a good helper, and he's such a good counselor. I mean, the God of the ages that speaks to us, he leads us into all truth. And he said to me, um, I want you to go online, and I want you to Google offense. And so I did, and when I did, a, a book popped up by John Bevere, um, and it's called The Bait of Satan. 
And, um, and it say, I genuinely will tell you it saved my life because some of us have been betrayed by a husband. Some of us have been betrayed by a friend. Some of us have been betrayed by people in the church. The list goes on and on. A girlfriend, you know, um, but it's really not about what they did, but it's about how we respond and letting go of the, that judgment and those offenses so that God can deal with them because he really does uh, want to raise up a standard because it says, the word says when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, like a standard or it, God will raise up a standard on your behalf. So it doesn't matter when the enemy comes in. No, I'm sorry. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, God will raise up a standard on your behalf. Okay? I remember Jason Hooper told me, he said, you know, the comma's in the wrong place. When, and when we see a lot of our Bibles, he said, if you'll research that, you'll find that the enemy comes in, but like a flood, God then will raise up a standard. Not when the enemy comes in like a flood. Let me tell you whose, whose voice is like the sound of many waters. Because God has a, a, the ability to press back on that because love casts out all fear. All fear. So, um, here are some signs of um, an offended heart. And offend, if you let your heart stay offended, um, you'll have an immature love. And, and, I mean, we're all in process. And so, God's not looking at you going, oh, you're so immature. He's looking at you and saying, I love you. Come and grow with me. Come and grow in love with me. Um, enjoy the journey of love. Enjoy the journey of growing. But we can't stay there in that immature place. We have to keep growing in love. Um, so here are some signs of immature love and offended heart. Um, frustration at the behavior of others. So easily frustrated, easily offended. Um, having a victim mindset. Um, always talking about how you were wronged. If that is the preliminary uh, discussion, I really encourage you to seek some deliverance and seek some counsel. We've got a great uh, guy who does a lot of work in the area of deliverance and counseling. And I'm telling you, people that go to see him, this isn't like an on and on and on, you know, several year thing where you're just going to be like, bah, 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 let me talk about my problems. But this is, uh, this is him being led by the spirit and getting that out of you, that offense, that judgment, and the, the pain and the sorrow, and so you can get on with your life and begin to grow and prosper in love again. <clears throat> Number three, needing to be right instead of needing um, the truth. So when, when, we, when we are always um, living a life that is, uh, when needing to be right is the same to me as not knowing how to love. Because there's no such thing in the kingdom as right and wrong. There's just truth. You see, Jesus is the tree of life. And what Adam and Eve did is they ate from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or the knowledge of right and wrong. 
And so when you camp out on, on I've got to be right, I can't love you because I think you're wrong. I can't love you. I'm not going to give you my heart because you and I disagree. Seriously, people? We are all in different stages of life. We all are in different um, ministries where there's a five-fold ministry, but we're one body. Everybody plays a part of the body that they are supposed to be, um, you know, a part of, right? And so if we're always having a critical eye and looking at people with a critical eye, you know, dude, that plank is really painful, when we're trying to remove it out of our own eye, because that's typically what's happening. I always find that um, when people are really critical, it's like, dude, I'm going to put a mirror here right up in front of you, because guess what? You need to really look at what you're always doing. Um, The third, I mean, the fourth is needing to be heard and validated by others. Now, hear me on this. We all need each other, and we all need to be encouraged. We all need to be loved. But um, when that need is your primary, um, is like the primary thing that everybody runs into. And so you, what it, it's like a big suction cup. Every time you're around people, you're like sucking the life out of them because you need to be validated. No, what you need is you need to go and spend more time in prayer and get validated by God, not by man. Because if you need man's approval 24-7, I'm telling you, what you really need is you need to know God and have him validate you. Therefore, you'll find that you don't even need a prophetic word from other people. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm loved. I'm good. Yeah. I've heard from my father. I've heard the voice of my father. Therefore, You know, my joy is full. Um, Jason Hooper said, we have to ask ourselves, do we want a pastor or do we want a pacifier? (laughs) I'm just going to repeat what you said. (laughs) All right, signs of true friendship. This is what used to be hanging in my grandmother's kitchen. If you want a friend, be a friend. If you want a friend, if you want to be loved, then learn to love. And the only way to learn to love is to know the one who loves. Because the only way I ever found out how to truly love, and truly love in the face of somebody who's so prickly, you're like, ow, I get near you, and I get like, it's like, are those sharp edges on your body or what? (laughs) But it's crazy. It's like you love the when you when you are full of love, when you know the one who loves, when you love yourself, why? Why do you love yourself? It's not like self-help kind of love. You know, it's not that uh, purpose-driven whatever kind of love. It is a love like I have been captivated by the one who loves. He has shown me who I am, therefore I love myself. And I'm thinking, you're right, I am awesome. I am the beloved. Wait, I'm beloved. Okay, that's really good. I like my personality. And the more that I see him, the more that I know myself and the more satisfied I am with how he made me because nobody needs another Jason Hooper. All I got to do is be Tracy. All you got to do is be Anne Marie. All you got to do is be Andrew, right? And so, what? We would, 
we would rob the world if Andrew was going around trying to be somebody other than who God created him to be. But because he loves himself and he's so satisfied with who he is, right, Kylie? Then you're just like, this is good. This is good. God was having a good day when he made me, and I'm so happy with me. And therefore, because I love me so much, I'm loving you. Look, I can be fully me to love you in a full way. It's just glorious time in the Lord. That's when you're, that's truly, guys, when your joy is full. When your joy is full. Okay, so if you want to have a friend, be a friend. I have all of these people saying, I don't know how to connect. I'm like, what are you talking about you don't know how to connect? It's so easy. First of all, you start with, you know, going up to somebody and saying, man, you know, I just like you so much. Here are all the reasons why. I just think you're awesome, you know? And just begin to be what you would want somebody to be for you, you know? Be a real Christian, not a fake Christian. You want to serve. You want to bless. You want to love. We want to help. We want to encourage, you know? And, and, and in 1 Corinthians, it says somebody that doesn't seek his own. You know, you're doing it out of a pure heart and a motivation that's just like, hey, I just love you because I love you. I don't want anything from you. You know, it's the same thing with giving. We give ourselves away freely, freely give, freely receive, freely give, right? Um, one of the things that I realized as I was kind of going along in my journey is that how, how I thought I was loving people, you know, I mean, my motivation was there, but I found that actually what I thought was loving people, people weren't really feeling my love. And, um, and so I was having to work really hard. And so I, I had to go through some deliverance. And, um, so I really encourage you, you know, if you're working to love people, but yet you don't feel like they're really experiencing your love or they're not seeing your love and they're not feeling your love and just go get some deliverance. I had some ungodly beliefs and, you know, some issues. And, man, once that thing was gone, I was like, whoo, <laughs> game on. <laughs> now it's like I love everyone. My son asked me the other day, he goes, okay, Okay, so how can I get, like, that power that you're walking in, Mom? How can, I, how can I see the healing and the prophecy and all of that? You know, it's like, where's the button or the pill I can take, right? And I told him, I said, hey, it's all about love. Because the more I love, the more I grow in love, the more power I walk in. Because God is a good God. He doesn't want us to hurt ourselves, and so he grows us and matures us in love so that we won't be doing it in the wrong motivation. I already said this. Don't be focused on the destination but on the journey. Um, I can't tell you how many people that I minister to that are so bound up. They're so stressed out as believers, especially in the uh, apostolic prophetic churches. Because they've heard from God, but the problem is they don't know how to get where they're going. And you're like, no, 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 you're missing the whole point. It's not about getting there. It's just about being love and, and, and enjoying the journey. I love, um, oh, what was that? What is that? What was that French philosopher's name? Oh, Rabaha Shabaka. <clears throat> no. Pascal. Pascal. 
right? French? Yeah. What's his first name? Blaine. Blaise. Blaise Pascal. Very nice. Thank you, Marvin. Um, anyway, I love what he said. He was talking about um, that there were two thieves on each side of Jesus. There was the thief of yesterday and the thief of tomorrow. And, um, and he said each one of us have these two thieves on each side of us. One is, is the thief of, of yesterday. And so it's that shoulda, coulda, woulda. You know, all of that regret. Everything that we should have done differently so that we wouldn't be in pain. <laughs> you know, so we wouldn't have to be paying the, the price of some of the mistakes that we've made. And then the other thief, which I find so prevalent, especially in the millennials, is, is the thief of tomorrow. It's just about, I've got to get there. And so uh, I got to, you know, um, you know, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know? Am I going? Am I running? Am I, why am I not there yet? Why am I not there yet? Why am I not there yet? And the, and the thing about both of these thieves is that what they do is they actually steal from your today. And, and um, Pascal said, you know, if you let the thief of yesterday and the thief of tomorrow steal your today, then you never actually live. Because all you have is today. You have no promise of tomorrow. And he said, the birds are singing today. The river is flowing. The children are laughing. And life is to be lived every day. And life is to be loved every day. And we get the most out of the moment. Then we know that we're truly living. That's good. I wish I'd have thought of it, but oh well. I stole it. Just as good. So really, it's all about love, and it's not about ministry. If only love, if it's only love that will remain, if we get this first, then the other will come as a natural byproduct of that love. The more I love, the faster that destiny gets to me. So here's what I want to do. Um, Stephen, would you put on some worship? Thank you, honey. I don't think there's anybody that hasn't been betrayed, and I don't think there's anybody that hasn't been struck in the heart. And if you feel like uh, that your heart is not fully alive in love, um, I want you to stand. And I want to do business with the, with the Lord tonight. No, you can stand now. Whatever. I mean, look, they're the one, you know, everybody here. Come on. What I, what I, um, I just want um, all of us tonight to make a commitment um, to continue to grow in love, to fight for love, to declare war on the enemy who's tried to steal our love, and to uncover every rock so that our hearts would be fully alive in love. The second um, favorite scripture of mine is in Proverbs 23, guard your heart with all your strength for out of it the issues of life flow. And, and so if we really understood about the conditions of our heart and that that's the whole end game of, of Jesus is to go after our hearts, not our hands, not our works. You know, he came for um, love. He didn't come for workers. He came for lovers, not workers. That's what Bob Jones told me. So, Lord, I do. I just thank you, Lord. 
that the price that you paid and you died on the cross for is that we would be returned back to your heart, that we would have a deep and abiding friendship in you and with you, that there would be nothing that separated our hearts from you. So, Father, I pray that tonight, right now, that we could take inventory of our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, would you come and would you land on that place that has become atrophied? Come, Holy Spirit. Just touch it with your love. Touch it with your oil. Yeah. We just give it away, God. We give it away. We just ask that you would come and heal us. We just confess tonight that we don't want the enemy to have stolen anything that belongs to you. And every betrayal, every um, trauma that has stolen places in our heart, God, would you come and just remove that out of us tonight, God? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. More. Yeah, more, more. More, Lord. Jesus. We want to look like you. We want to be a, your bride on the earth. Yeah, just like the word says that we made ourselves ready. We made ourselves ready. We dressed ourselves in white linen. That we would guard our hearts. That we would stand as watchmen on the walls of our own hearts. And say that we surrender all. Just like you did at the cross. You showed us how to love when you opened both arms with your heart that was fully exposed. That no shame, no envy, no hatred, no murder could come near a heart that was fully alive in love. And that even through that pain, you say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And so, God, everyone that's harmed us and hurt us, we just say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. If they knew what they were doing, they would not do it. So we just release them into your loving arms, God. And just releasing them doesn't mean that we're not saying that God won't hold them accountable. Releasing them is releasing them out of your heart and releasing all of the pain and the bitterness. And I just thank you, God, for sweeping our hearts clean. Yeah, we bless you, God, and we thank you. Just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Yeah. For those of you, I just encourage you, um, 
<clears throat> I feel like this is really the beginning of healing for a lot of you. I encourage you to 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 un to turn over every rock. Don't let anything stand in the way of that fullness of love in your heart, that your heart would be fully alive in love. Because if your heart is fully alive in love, I'm telling you, there will be no stopping what you will do on this side of heaven. Every door that is supposed to open will open for you. Because you will be fully who you were created to be. Amen?